Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And we will pick things up where we left off two weeks ago in verse 26. And I'll be reading down to verse 38 or through verse 38. Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David." And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. So as Chuck mentioned, Three weeks ago, we began a new adventure, studying um, the gospel according to Luke. And, and as we went through that passage, we saw that Luke specifically was writing, that he was writing in order to present an orderly account of the life of Christ. And so there had been other writings, um, he stated that. But he felt that it was important for there to be an orderly account that was written there. Okay? And so he wrote specifically then this orderly account in order that they might have assurance regarding the apostolic testimony. Again, all scripture is given by the inspiration, the God-breathedness, if you would, of God, right? And so God used Luke at this moment, a Gentile physician from the best that I can understand, to give us an orderly account of the life of Christ so that we, predominantly as Gentiles, would be assured of the things that were written, the things that were there, okay? Now, again, so then two weeks ago, we said, we went started with, so if you were going to write this orderly account of the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, where would you start? So Luke, as he has done his research, feels like the whole account begins the time that the angel comes to Zecharias to proclaim the birth of John, John being then the forerunner of Jesus. So the whole concept of the good news of Jesus Christ in his mind begins with the forerunner, that John the Baptist was going to come. And so there was miracle, miraculous things that went on for John to even be born. Um, and, and those give testimony, if you would, to the ministry of Jesus Christ. So we saw then the angel comes and he gives the, the announcement to, to Zacharias um, regarding the birth of John, that John's going to come and he's going to have this incredible ministry. But we see that John, or John Zacharias, doesn't believe. Even though he's got an angel standing there right with him. I don't know when the last time again you've ever had an angel visit you specifically. I think that if I had literally an angel standing there, I might be kind of like, oh, cool, this is great, right? But he doesn't necessarily believe, and he says, how am I going to know? What, 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 what sign, if you would, are you going to give me? So he says, you want a sign? He I, I'm paraphrasing. You want a sign? I'm going to give you a sign. You're going to be mute for the next nine months. <laughs> and until, until what I've just proclaimed to you happens, 
you won't be able to speak. And so you'll know when you go to try to speak and you can't speak that everything I'm telling you today is true. And so we'll see how that plays out in weeks ahead when John gives birth and then his mouth is opened up, right? And so, so we, he goes and he gets the mutinous and Elizabeth has the baby and she has great joy. So um, it's, a, it's a wonderful moment. Today we're going to go on to um, six months later, okay, where the, it, Gabriel is sent now to Mary. And so we're going to look at a variety of things, first of all, with the setting. But before I get into the setting real quick, I just want to make a quick comment about Mary, okay? Because I think, again, um, a lot of people... So let me start here. I am not a Protestant, okay? I've never protested against the Roman church. Those are what Protestants... Protestants, that's what they are. Make sense? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not worrying about a label, okay? But with that said, I'm also not afraid of the Roman church. I'm not afraid of Peter um, being uh, one of the pillars that Jesus said, I'm, upon you, I'm going to build my church. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't make him a pope. He's not a pope. He wasn't the first pope, but he was special as a pillar before it. Mary. As we're going to see today, right off the bat, after the setting, when we get into the greeting, that Mary is one who is held in great reverence, if you would, respect, okay? And it's okay. Why? Because she was the individual chosen for this purpose. Back in the days of Desert Storm Duty, okay, they needed someone to, to go to St. Louis to write all the programs to process the guys and ladies, that were coming back from Desert Storm to make sure they got all their proper rewards and everything. One person got called to go write those programs. It was me. I considered it an honor. I could have said no. Mary couldn't say no. But there was an honor in that. So it's okay. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to pridefully talk about that other than to say there's an honor in that. There's a respect in that. They could have called anybody. God could have chose anybody but he chose Mary. So don't be afraid of showing Mary honor from the perspective, not reverencing her in worship and adoration. Okay, we don't do that, okay? But just as we do with John, just as we do with Paul, just as we do with somebody else, Mary had a special role that she willingly, as we're going to see, chose to submit to and to perform. And is a great role model for not just women, but even guys, to submit to God's will in your life, okay? So, the setting. First of all, the timing is very simple. It's a six-month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. But again, as I mentioned, there are details when we went through Zechariah. There are details that God gives us for a reason, okay? We can work out a timing, potential timings, if you would, of Jesus' birth, now, it gets convoluted a little bit, right? Because we have that he was, Zechariah was there in the order of Abijah, right? And so could he, was he there for, in that order of Abijah, or was he there for one of the three weeks that all the priests would go because of the feast and that kind of stuff? And so you can kind of get it down to five or six times of the year that he might have been there. And then from there, if you can figure out when Zechariah served, Jesus was born 15 months after the angel appeared to Zechariah. Because nine months later, right? But he comes to Mary when, Zechariah, or when Elizabeth is six months pregnant. So here's the deal. Do we know when Jesus was born? Emphatically, no. We know when he died, and that's why this year we're not celebrating Easter on when everybody's celebrating Easter. We're actually going to celebrate Resurrection Day, which is what we call it, three weeks after everybody else, because we're going to celebrate it as the first, first day of the week after the Feast of Passover, like it is biblically. So we're given a very specific time, biblically, when Christ rose from the dead. And that's when we're going to celebrate it. Okay? Christmas, we don't know a specific time. There's a lot of good arguments for different times. I'm good with celebrating in December. I, I see that as one of the potential possibilities. I'm good with it. Okay? I'm not celebrating Saturnalia. I'm celebrating the incarnation of God on the earth. Does it make sense? Okay? So it's all within your heart of why you're doing what you're doing. Things that are specifically detailed for us in God's word, we want to follow them. Things that God leaves as a mystery, it's ours to leave as a what? It's a mystery. Okay? 
All right, so with that all being said, let's come into this, this setting then. We have the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. We see Gabriel coming. Again, okay? I don't want to talk a lot about Gabriel, but he was the, the tool that God is using, okay? And we know from when he spoke to Zacharias that he was there in the presence of Yahweh as well. He is also the one who went to spoke to Daniel, okay? So he's one of the archangels, if you would, okay, that are there. He's special. Um, you can either translate his name as uh, a man of God, a man, a man of God, or God is my strength. I prefer the God is my strength part, but you could say it as a man of God or God is my strength. It doesn't matter. That's what his name means. And so he's the one that God chose to send to give the message to Mary, just as he did to Zechariah. This starts getting fun. Again, details, okay? He sends him to Nazareth. 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 And so... Why Nazareth? I, I get, years ago, it was one of these things I was, I was studying, and, it, and, it, and I was doing the word studies and kind of stuff, translating things out. And this just really was cool when it, when it hit me, because, you know, a lot of times I'll give you the root where, where uh, cities come from and that kind of stuff, and they wouldn't do that for, for Nazareth. It's from an unknown origin. But if you go back over to the Hebrew, I mean, it's a Hebrew name. So where's Nazar mean? What's, I mean, Nazareth, just like Elizabeth, okay? And it comes from Eli Shabbat, 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 Eli Shabbat. Anyways, so that's, but, so the eth isn't really part of her name, okay? Like, because in the Hebrew, bait would be house. But anyway, so the eth is just an ending, okay? So Nazar eth as well. Well, in Isaiah 11, verse 1, we have a prophecy of Jesus Christ. And I think this is really kind of cool. I'm not going to tell you emphatically that this is a, a fulfillment of prophecy. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. I just think it's a cool thing, and I'm just showing a little Bob thing. Okay, and so Isaiah 11:1, 1, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch in the Hebrew, Natsar, shall grow out of his roots. So it makes sense then from the place of the roots. Now, Natsar also can mean, and this is where I think it really the name of the city comes from, also can mean to guard. And so if you know where the city of Natsar is. Is, fr- is at, it sits on a, a mountain, because we'll see later on that they try to throw him off that cliff, you know, to kill him, okay? But it guards over the, the valley of Jezreel, which we also known as Har-Megiddo, Armageddon, okay? And so it's the valley of Megiddo, the Mount, Mount Megiddo Valley of Jezreel. And so I think it's kind of cool that Jesus grew up looking out over the place of the final battle if you would, where the nations are going to gather together. So he is the branch. He is the Natsar that God was going to call, and, and that's where he was at. So I don't think there was a, just a, um, um, there's a purpose. God has a purpose, right? So I don't think it was just random that Jesus would be grown up in Nazareth. Does that make sense? So that's what I got for it right now, but um, as I meditate and think on things, makes sense. You just there's a reason for that. So I thought it was pretty cool. All right. So we have the location, the individual, Mary. She's a what? She's a Parthenon. She is a virgin. Okay. And so we talked about that during the um, the Christmas time as well, talking about how important it is that she is a a virgin. Okay. That she's never been with a man. Okay. Because the the sacrifice for your sins has to be what? Perfect. It has to be without sin without blemish no man on this earth could be without blemish or sinless only god is that and so with her being a virgin god being the father then her son we're going to talk about would then be without blemish so she is a virgin so we have numerous verses on your sermon note sheet that you can go back and you can look at that as well but secondly she was betrothed of joseph who was of the house of David, this is again important. Why? Because the Messiah had to come from the lineage of David. Does it make sense? So again, Luke, writing this orderly account, writing details for us, okay, is making sure that everybody understands that this child who's going to be born is meeting all of the criteria. Okay, very important. So that's the setting. But now we're going to come to the greeting. And so this is where we see in the greeting, Gabriel's, uh, Gabriel's, I'm sorry, not Gabrielle, that's my daughter. Gabriel's respect for Mary, okay? And he calls her two things. And so we see it in the text here. Let me come to it. And he says, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Literally, in the Greek, okay, those are participles, okay? And they are perfect participles, which means 
that something that happened in the past and it has a continuing result. Remember, so I, I talk about this a lot, okay? So I'm trying to get you to understand some of these concepts, okay? So you are one who has been graced, highly favored one. You are one who has been graced. You are one who has been blessed. It has been determined. Now, this is kind of cool for me, okay? Again, I'm not a Calvinist by any stretch of the imagination, but I fully believe in the big S sovereignty of God. Does it make sense? God is sovereign, okay? And I know from Ephesians chapter 1 that Christ died for me, Christ died for us, when? Before the foundations of the world. That's mind-boggling. No, he died 2,000 years ago. No, he actually died before the foundations of the world. That God had what? Determined it. It was a done deal. The plan was already there. It was just waiting for the fullness of time to come. Not another piece of sand could come into the hourglass of time. And that's what we're told in Galatians chapter 4 about Jesus' birth. That in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, to be born under the law, to, to redeem those who were under the law. So at the very, very, very minuscule fulfillment, completion of time, not another drop of water could fit in the cup, not another sand could fit in the, time, the hourglass. Make sense? At the very moment, in the same way, I think it was determined beforehand that Mary would be that individual. I don't think God was worrying over 4,000 years. Boy, I sure hope there's a woman that's worth it. Because, I mean, we planned this thing to happen 4,000 years from now. Oh, what if there's not somebody that I can use? There's got to be one girl. Let's scour the place. Oh, there's one in Nazareth. All right, we're going to do it in Nazareth. No, I think the whole plan was there from the beginning. Do you think it took God by surprise when you got saved? Do you realize it says in the word of God that you are elect according to foreknowledge? Now, I'm not going to get into the debates again on, um, on free will and, and election and foreknowledge and predestination and that kind of stuff, but I'm elect according to foreknowledge, okay? which means God had a for what? Foreknowledge. Those he foreknew, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. So I know God's predestined will for me is to be conformed to the image of Christ, and I know that somehow he knew it way ahead of time. He knew Bob before Bob ever had a clue who he was, before Bob even cared who he was, while Bob was spitting, if you would, on him. No, I wasn't really doing that, but by my lifestyle, I really was. Isn't that cool to think about? You've got to ask yourself, are you living according to the purpose, then, that God has for you? Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestined, that they may be conformed to the image of his Son. Mary had a predestined purpose that she's going to fulfill. God has a predestined purpose for you. And that's for you to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ in order for you to be like a city that is set upon a hill whose light cannot be hid. It's not just to be fat, dumb, and happy. You have the blessing of being in America that has a lot of material blessings or curses, whichever way you look at it. What are we doing with the freedoms and the privileges and the opportunities that God has given to us? Move on. Gabriel's respect for her. Mary's reaction. She was troubled. What would you act like? Again, remember, I mean, he could be a seraphim. I mean, he, you know, even the cherubim, you know, aren't the little babies with the harps and stuff like that. You go to Ezekiel and you see what the cherubim look like. Those are the four-headed things with the wheels and everything else, right? But he could have been a seraphim, a flaming, torching one, you know, with a sword and... You know, that's why, the, again, why the, when we get to Luke chapter 2 and we see the shepherds and they're af afraid when they see this thing in the, in the air because it wasn't a little baby playing a harp and it wasn't a little choir that was coming singing in four-part harmony, right? There was a, a bunch of warriors and they were just knocking their knees afraid, right? So she's troubled. She's troubled when she sees this. And so Gabriel comes back and says, what? Do not be afraid. You have found favor or grace with God. I don't have time on this one as well, but I just want to throw this one out. There is no reason for you to be afraid of the judgment. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a favorite. Like someone from Israel is a Israelite. Someone who's from Edom is an Edomite. You have God's favor, so therefore you are one of his favorites. Isn't that kind of cool?
And if you're, if you're the favorite, there's no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. But if you are his, then you're going to want to desire the things that he desires. Do you see how it plays out? But a lot of times we want to play the game of I'll name Jesus and then I live how I want to live. That's not how it plays out. Because again, he's going to what? Come into my life and he's going to transform me to the image and likeness of his son. And so therefore I'm going to start to do the things that he desires for me to do. And as I do those things, there's no need for worry or judgment or condemnation because his grace is upon me. His favor is upon me. Okay? So he says, don't be afraid. There's no reason for you to be afraid. You are a favored one. So then we go in then to this, the message part. Okay? And that is then he begins now to tell Mary some special things that God is going to do for her. Okay? So four things. First of all, you have found favor. Okay, that's cool. You will, again, details here. Okay? Again, I don't know whether she needed it spelled out for her or whether God wanted to spell it out for naysayers of our day. You will conceive, okay, and literally the, the word there is to, to, to conceive, and so you can see Judges 13, that's when Samson's um, mother was told that she would conceive, okay, and so the angel of Yahweh is talking to them, and that in the Greek translation of the Hebrew, same word is being used, okay? Luke chapter 136, it's the exact same word that is used for, um, for Elizabeth, okay? The reason I put that up there is um, people like to try to say that Mary's was different. And so this is the word that's used throughout conception, conceived. Make sense? It happened there. And just so you know, it happened where? In the womb, just like every other woman, okay? So she's going to get pregnant just like every other woman. Again, there's the Gnostics and everybody else who want to say that Jesus wasn't God, okay? That God came upon him at baptism, God left him, the Spirit of God left him before, the, before he died on the cross, Okay? Didn't happen that way. God is using specific details to let us know of the miraculous nature of this thing. Okay, this virgin who's never been with a man. We'll talk about this in a moment because of her reaction. Right. This this virgin who's never been with a man is going to get pregnant, just like every other woman who's been with a man. And she's going to carry the baby in her womb. And then she was going to what? Bring forth a son. Tikto is the same word again that is used to give forth a child. All the specific. So again, remember, Luke is a what? A physician. So when he's given this order of account, I didn't use this one as the illustration when we went through it and I was showing you how there's all these medical terms. He's talking like an obstetrician right now. Okay? And he's letting everybody know this is exactly how it's playing out. This was a physical thing that was going on. She was going to conceive in her womb, and she was going to bear the son. It wasn't, he wasn't going to come out on his own. He wasn't just going to appear, but she literally was going to give birth to him, just like every other woman gives birth to a baby. Not every other, but you get what I'm saying. Okay, mom. Okay. Now the big part. And you will, so I want to, these are all promises as well. Note the you wills. You will, you will. And when it gets, then after you have this son, because you're going to give birth to a son, you don't have to have a revealing. You don't have to go have the, uh, the sonogram. God's already told you before you ever got pregnant, this is how it's going to be. It's not a matter of, well, I'm carrying the baby a little bit lower. I think it's going to be, or, or it's sticking out a little further. I think it's going to be. We've had enough babies, and we, we've done this numerous times, right? People saying, well, I think it's going to be because it's, that's it. It's gonna be, it's gonna... When the baby comes out, we'll know. I'll go with a boy name, and I'll go with a girl name. If it's the boy, <laughs> it'll get the boy's name, hopefully. I won't get twisted up. If it's a girl, I'll get a girl name, right? So that's how it's going to be. She knew immediately, before she ever got pregnant, what she was going to have, And what his name would be. And you shall call him Yahashua. Jesus in the Greek, in the Hebrew, Yahashua. 
Yahashua comes from Yahweh, Yasha. So Jehovah, but Yaho, Yahweh, Yasha. Yahweh delivers. Yahweh saves. This child, who you're going to be born, birth to, on the human side of things, it's going to look like a baby boy, but his name will represent who he is. He will be Yahweh who delivers. Okay? Now, that slides into the, what he's going to say about the child. Okay? He's going to be great. He's going to be megas. Okay? And literally, I would translate it as he's going to be a great one. Okay? Now, I don't want to diminish Jesus at this moment, but if you go over to um, Acts chapter 8 and you read about Simeon, um, who was the sorcerer, everybody said he was a, a great one. Okay? And so the idea in that day was one who was to be revered, someone who was to be um, feared and respected. Okay? So there was this kind of this idea that went with him. Okay? So he was going to be great. He's going to be a great one. But secondly, though, he's going to be that because he's going to be called the son of the, the highest. And the highest was a, 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 a term which is used for the most high God. Do I not have that up there? I don't. Okay, so we'll go to the next one in a second. But on your sermon notes, you might have that, and you have a lot of references, okay, regarding the Most High God. So when he's called the Son of the Highest, the reality is what they're saying is he is going to be a son of the Most High God, okay? And so, so now all of a sudden we have this, this deity kind of thing that's coming, okay, that's, that's with it. And you've got to understand, again, remember Luke, okay? Luke, if he was a Gentile, okay, then he's coming from a group of people who have a whole pantheon of gods, okay? And so they were used to having sons of a god. Does it make sense? So in his mind, he's going to include the highest because there is only one true god, and it's who? The most high god. Go back through the Old Testament, that's a statement for who Yahweh is. He's the most high God. And so that's what he's saying. He's not, you can't come here and say that he's the, the son of Ares. He's the son of Zeus. He's the son of, no. He's going to be called the son of the most high God. There's only one true God, and that's the most high God. He will then be given the throne of David and reigning over the house of Jacob. How long? Say that again. How long's forever? It's <laughs> a long time. All other kings have a reign. And you may say, oh king, may you live forever. But you know, he's not. He's going to reign for at least a couple hours at this moment, unless I'm there to kill him, right? And so, but he may reign for 60 years. But in the end, he's going to what? He's going to die, and his reign will end. This child who was going to be born, who was going to be called the son of the highest, son of the most high, would be given the throne of David. And he would fulfill the promises to David. And again, on the sermon note sheet, you have... Um, 2 Samuel 7, verse 11 to 13, Psalm 132, verse 11, Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, which we looked at again during Christmas time, Jeremiah 23, 5 to 6, Jeremiah 33, 15 to 17, Ezekiel 37, 24 to 25. This was a huge deal for Jewish people. They, this was the thing that they were looking forward to. They were looking forward to the seed of David coming into reigning all over again. This is the proclamation that Gabriel is telling to Mary. You, Mary, are going to give birth to that guy. You are going to be the one that God is going to begin to fulfill this prophecy through. How do you feel if you're Mary right now? Overwhelmed. Good, good. Overwhelmed. I mean, I, I'm not thinking that Mary woke up that morning thinking to herself, you know, I th this feels like a day that Life's just going to change. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen today. She might have been out milking cows, feeding chickens, taking the, the laundry off the line. I don't know what she's doing, but she's having a normal day probably, right? 
And then, because we're not told, like we're, Zechariah, we're told he's where? He's in the temple, he's serving God. You know, I mean, it's kind of could run along with the job description. You know, you go into the temple, you see an angel. I mean, it doesn't usually happen that way. But Mary, say again? She's going about her business in the city of Nazareth. And we know later from the book of John, right, when, when uh, Peter is, or Andrew is telling um, Nathaniel, and Nathaniel's response was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, so, I mean, she lives in Nazareth. This is the image of Nazareth. She's not probably expecting that she's going to, this day, she's going to be the one that over these years, she's going to be the one to give birth to Messiah. And yet her world, in just a few moments, I mean, we, we've, I've embellished the story just a little bit even as I'm teaching, right? It didn't take this long for this whole conversation. In five minutes, her world is being upended. And so, yeah, I think she's a little overwhelmed. And so, what do we see? First of all, we see a response. How can this be? I think if I was 14-ish years old, that's all she probably was. She's probably somewhere in the 12 to 16 range. Okay? That's kind of weird from, from our culture's day. Okay? But that's reality of how old she would have been. Okay? Again, going on with her, her normal life. Okay? She's betrothed to Joseph. We're not told how long that it was going to be till they actually got married, till it had been consummated. Okay? But her plans were what? Set. Set. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Right? So I don't know how it all played together, but she, her, her future was set. She was going to marry the, 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 the craftsman, the, the carpenter. Okay? And, um, and that's where her life was going to be. The angel tells her this, and she says, I haven't known a man. How, how, how can it happen? I, I, I have not known a man and you older adult ones you get that right so she's not doubting what she he said she's just overwhelmed and wondering how it could happen important we'll come back to that in a moment okay gabriel now begins to describe how this miracle is going to happen well the holy spirit's going to what he's going to come upon you and then the power of the highest shall over shadow you. Now that word for overshadow, okay, is only used a couple times um, in the New Testament. It's used there when um, the, the, de the deacons, the disciples, you guys could have been there too, anyways, um, were on the Mount of Transfiguration. So Peter, James, John, okay? And they fell asleep, right? And they wake up and they see Jesus in his transformational glory, right? And, and, and Peter says, oh man, we should have made what? Three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, one for, for Moses, right? And then a cloud came and overshadowed them. And from the cloud they heard the voice, this is my beloved son. <laughs> in other words, he's not just a what? A prophet. The other time it's used is in the book of Acts. When people were bringing out um, individuals to be healed, and that even the shadow of Peter could cast over them, overshadow them, okay? People always want to know, because we're warped, and we, well, we're information addicted, right? How did it happen? What do you mean God did this? This is exactly what we know. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. In the most high is going to over the power of the highest is going to what? Overshadow. You can do with that what you want, but what God chooses to leave as a mystery, you leave as a what? A mystery. But one little detail in it that we know, and that is the reality is who is the giver of life? God is. And we know from the Psalms that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that it is God who knits us together in our mother's womb. 
in the same manner, when God became incarnate, he probably did it in the same way. Now, I'm not talking about the physical and that kind of stuff. I don't know how that played out. But at that moment, again, when she conceived in the womb, I think there was a zygote that was placed in the womb. Somehow, I don't know how that plays out. But at that moment, the eternal God <laughs> emptied himself in some manner and was placed in the smallest thing that you can imagine from life as a human, a zygote. And the Messiah, God incarnate, began to grow just as the child grows in our womb. Whenever Marcia's, so seven kids, right? Six pregnancies. Whenever Marcia was pregnant, I always thought about that. This incarnation of God. That my God incarnate went through this exact same process. We never had sonograms, so we never saw those pictures. But I see enough of them coming on Facebook and everything else of people wanting to show me pictures of their kids, right? It's just a phenomenal thing. It doesn't matter whether I see the pictures or not. All of a sudden, there's a part where I, I feel what? I feel movement. Could you imagine being Mary? And feeling the movement? We'll talk about it when, the, when, when John leaps in, in Elizabeth's womb, right? It's just phenomenal stuff. This is life. And so the one who created life, the one who spoke life into being, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, God was the Word. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He was in the world, the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. The creator God. was going to confine himself into a zygote. And he used the same laws and principles that he established for us. That's phenomenal for me. That blows my brain away. So, how can it be? Well, this is how it's going to be. Because with God, what? Nothing is impossible. Do you remember when David taught on the... That this child who's going to be born, one of his names is going to be the mighty God. And he asked, are you trusting God for something that only God can do? This is something that only God can do. In fact, in this as well, part of the description and explanation to her, he says to her, and your cousin Elizabeth is now pregnant as well. Right? She knows how old Elizabeth is. She gets that Elizabeth is, is past childbearing age. And so now you've got a miracle happening on this end of the spectrum, and you've got a miracle happening on this end of the spectrum. One who is past childbearing age. One who is, if you would, before childbearing, because she's never known a man. And God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. Are you trusting him for it? Do you believe that God can do a mighty work in or through you? He can do it. And we're going to see as we go through this book, there are so many times where Jesus didn't do a miracle there because unbelief of the people. Not because he lacked power, but because people didn't believe. You have to believe in order to see the mighty power of God. You have not because what? You're asked not. Submission. Mary comes and says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. May it be done to me as he chooses. Here it is. Isn't it amazing? The faith of a child may be done to me. No analyzing it. No, this doesn't make sense. I hear what you're saying, but it just doesn't compute. This can't happen. 
If this is God's will, I'm ready for it. God, just help me <laughs> ride that roller coaster. I'm going to get ready to go on. So now this final part, the contrast to Zacharias, considering the God of the impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. But for Zacharias, apparently there was. Even though Zacharias, remember, we talked about this, had been praying for this. That's what Gabriel says to him. Zacharias, your prayers have been heard. Heard. Your prayers have been heard. I don't know how long you've been praying. Think about it. God may have been hearing those prayers for 20 years, 30 years. And he's saying what? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I got something better for you. You don't, you think you got it. You think you know what's best for right, you right now, but I got something that's going to blow the socks not only off of you. I know you're only wearing sandals. They'll blow your sandals off. And they're going to blow everybody else's sandals off. And this is how it's going to happen. I think there's so many times we go through life bitter at God rather than trusting God. Because we don't believe God can do what he's declared he can do. We say we do, but if he doesn't do it in our timing, then he can't. And we would never say that. But that's kind of how we think. Or clearly, I'm not a favorite anymore because he's not doing what I want because I'm the center of the universe. Again, we wouldn't say that. We'd look at kids and we'd go, I think they're the, they think they're the center of the universe. They don't realize I am. No, anyways, we wouldn't say that either, right? But that's how we act with God. But do you really believe, do you really trust that God has a plan and he's working it out? Do you really believe that God wants to use you in a mighty way? Are you willing to believe? Zacharias, when he push came to shove, wasn't. He needed a what? He needed a sign. Mary? She was just overwhelmed by the moment. I don't even know how this could happen. She got a little she got as much information as we got, right? I think, probably. And she says, What? Okay, God, it's yours. You got it. Who describes you most? Are you more like Zacharias? Or more like Mary? This is why I said about Mary. It's really okay. I don't have to worship her. I don't have to do the adoration and, and, and veneration of her. But I need to understand, she is a phenomenal illustration, biblically, of one who, by faith, she could be in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Mary believed God and became the mother of our Lord. And I'm okay with saying it that way. Considering the responsibility of the chosen, to whom much is given, much is required. <laughs> this is self-condemning, okay? So I get this. James 3.1, it's on your sermon note sheets too. You know, be not many teachers, such have the greater judgment, assessment. We did that when we went through the book of James in last year, in the fall. But to whom much is given, much will be Required. Okay? Zacharias was a priest. He was of the order of Abijah in the house and lineage of Aaron. We're told that Elizabeth also was of Aaronic descent as well. They had knowledge. Do you get it? They understood. They probably understood the way God worked. They probably understood messianic things like that. And so when the angel comes to Zacharias, I think Zacharias has a greater responsibility to God than Mary. If anybody's going to accept the truth and understand the truth and understand the prophetic implications of this, it's going to be the priest. He ought to be. I get, I, I'm not clergy laity at all. You know that, okay? But I also get the fact that I have the privilege of understanding the Greek and the Hebrew and that kind of stuff, and I know I'm going to stand before God and give an account for what I've done with the added information that he's given me. And whether I've used it 
to glorify him and to edify his saints. But can I share the, I love, you've been here long enough, you know I love share the wealth card, okay? So I'm going to play the share the wealth card right now. Do you realize how much more you have than most people in the world? Okay, we're going to do something. This is not nighttime, and I'm not going to actually put your flashlights on. We're not going to do one of these light things, okay? You got a cell phone? Pull it out. Pull me out your cell phone. Let's do a cell phone moment. Everybody put it up. Wow. All right, so put them back down, okay? Because you just condemned yourself. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know it. You know it. This is not news to you. Now, if you're old like me, it may be news to you. Just put a finger in the ear. Maybe you can retain it more than 10 minutes. But anyways, you can have the Bible on this thing. You have no excuse. You can have Greek and Hebrew on this. You can say, I can't read it. Okay, maybe not. But you can put Strong's numbers on it, which are going to tell you the, the word that's behind it. And you have always, James Strong. I can't imagine this guy. Was it James? Am I right? Or is this Augustus Strong? A.H. One of the Strongs. Anyways, who, who made Strong's Concordance? Anybody remember that right off the top of your head? Was it Augustus? James? <laughs> yeah, Pastor Strong. Yeah. Spent years of his life making a toll without a computer? Could you imagine? I mean, has any of you ever seen a real strong concordance, like a book? Only some of you. If, 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 if there's some of you who haven't ever seen it, I have one. Like, I'll show it to you. And, and it's been on typeset. Makes sense? Roll down. Could you imagine having to do this on paper or on, you know, beyond papyri? But you get what I'm saying. All these pieces of paper where he's trying to keep all the, oh, the, and, and he's putting the down. You know, the word. Oh, put, put, anything comes here. I can't imagine. And then he's looking back at the Greek to find out which word was actually behind that word. And he's going to put down the number that's there so that hundreds of years later, not just he knows, but that you can know that hundreds of years later, God used him to give you a toll that you can study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, that you can rightly divide the word of truth. And shame, 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 shame. <laughs> Gomer Powell, shame on the church for not using the tolls that we have to know God's word of truth. And then to what? Live it. Live it. Mary stands in a stark contrast to Zacharias. Again, I ask you, are you Mary? Or are you Zacharias? So in the end, those same questions, do you believe that God can do great things? I know you're going to tell me yes. You're in church. But I want you to answer that tomorrow morning when real life's hitting. And the follow-on is, do you believe that he can do then those great things in or through you? Oh, I've never been to Bible college. I've never been to seminary. Oh, I've never... I don't care. Mary wasn't any of those things. And God wanted to use Mary and do a work that surpasses anything that you can ever even imagine. Is there something with which God is currently challenging you in order to stretch or express your faith in him? New facility is a big deal to me. I really, for a couple years as we were planning it, plotting it, thinking about it, I wasn't quite sure. I wasn't there. At the end of the fall, I became sure. I don't know where the money's going to come from. You can look at the, the bulletin and see what we got, right? I don't know where the money's coming from. But I know that my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And that I have to say yes to watch him bless. There's a big battle in my brain to make sure my thoughts are pure and that we as a church, Bob as an individual, but Bob, Chuck, David, Steve as elder group, and then we as a church aren't running ahead of God and doing what we want to do. Does that make sense? Is it God's war or not? And I didn't have a peace for the longest time. I just was kind of wavering. The elders probably tell you that. I mean, I just I kind of wavered this, wavered that. I'm not wavering. I mean, I know it. I just have this sense. Could I be right? Could I be wrong? Sure. But that's God thing. Does it make sense? But by faith, faith is the evidence of 
things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. By faith, you move forward, trusting in God, not in your own prowess. I believe that God can do great things through us. We've seen, even today in testimony time, right, that God is touching people all around the world through us. I don't know why, but it's for his glory. Does it make sense? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Um, I'm going to pray in a moment, but we're going to close with a special today. Uh, Anna wrote a song a little over a year ago um, from the perspective of Mary, and I think it fits with what Mary was going through in this moment. So we're going to close with that special after I pray, okay? Father, thank you for you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. We know that you are the one true God. You are God most high. God in the highest. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is no other God besides you. There was no God before you, neither shall there be any created after you. And you chose to be incarnate. You chose to come to this earth to pay for the penalty of our sins. That is beyond my comprehension. But I rejoice in you for it. I thank you, Father, that you have breathed through 40 men, different men through those ages to declare your truth to us that we might know assuredly what your plans have been. Lord, help us to walk by faith in you, the God who has done all these things. Thank you, Lord, for Mary's um, faith. Thank you for her willingness, her submission to your plan that though she was overwhelmed, yet she said, let it be done unto me, your maidservant. Lord, help us to be willing to, to be in awe of what you do, your power, your wonder, but then be willing to as well, as well to say, I'm just your servant. Let it be done unto me as you have declared. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.